Thank you, David. Tremendous bang for the buck here. Just never ceases to amaze me. It's my birthday today. Well, it's the 24th anniversary of my 30th birthday. (laughs) Turned the big 54 today, so... Yeah, I know, but... Yeah, at least I have faith that uh, it's my birthday. I was present at my birth, but quite frankly, don't remember when it was, but thank God some other people were there and they took notes. So, but I was got up and looked at myself in the mirror today and realized that I'm turning gray. <laughs> no, I don't mean the hair, I mean me. <laughs> I'm turning gray. That's getting old. Mike asked me to say a few things about faith and how it relates to our uh, our fantastic church here. Uh, and I realized that faith isn't something that we can just conjure. As Mike often explains, faith needs belief as a starting point. We need to have faith that's rooted in a, a belief, and based on where our belief is rooted, then that's where our our faith grows out of that. And There's really only one reason to believe anything, and that is if it's true. If something isn't true, don't believe it. But there's only one way to know what truth is, and that is if you're sane. (laughs) If you're nuts, you don't know what truth is. Or if you're deceived, you don't know what truth is. And therefore, the only way to know what to believe is through the process that the New Testament refers to as a renewing of the mind. And that is a gift from God. And it's only through that that we really can have right beliefs. And through that right belief, we can develop a faith that actually works. And if you're like me, I think most of us, if not all of us, at one time or another has struggled with faith. God knows I did for years. And I wanted to believe. And finally, I just thought that, Maybe I'm one of those people that just lacks a capacity for faith until, thank God, somebody finally pointed out to me that my problem wasn't a lack of faith, but rather misdirected faith. I had a tremendous capacity for faith. I just had faith in the wrong things. I had faith in alcohol and drugs. I had faith that enough money could solve all my problems. I had faith in the wrong people that were going to help me. I had faith in my own reasoning. I had faith in my ability to con my way into situations and lie myself out of them. And so once I understood that I did have faith, but my faith was just rooted in wrong beliefs, It helped me tremendously, and that leads to the question, obviously, how can we have right beliefs? What it tells us in the Bible in Romans 10.17, in our worship bulletin, we put that verse that says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. One of the few times I believe I actually had a true epiphany a true revelation from God was during one of those dark nights of the soul where I was 
struggling tremendously with what to believe and trying to believe and being frustrated because I couldn't no matter what I did. And I had this song go through my head. And it was a song I hadn't heard in many years. But that song turned out, the lyrics of it were the answer to my dilemma. It was a simple song that starts out, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, we are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. And in that simple song is where I started to understand where my faith and my belief had to be rooted. It had to be rooted in the Word of God. And therefore, I believe certain things today, not just because somebody says so. How many times you hear that? Well, they say, <laughs> who are they? But we believe because the Bible says. But that is where we open up another dilemma. You know, did when we got together years ago in Mike's, uh, Mike and Marsha's living room, did, did we really sit there and think, Sioux Falls needs another church? <laughs> There's just not enough churches in Sioux Falls. That wasn't it at all. But you see, you can find churches. You can find places that will tell you things, and they'll even say it's in the Bible. But unfortunately, there's so much misinformation and disinformation out there. And what I was taught years ago is that the worst compass to own isn't one that says north is south and south is north. You'd figure that out. This thing is broken. (laughs) The worst compass is one that's only a couple of degrees off. And the farther you go, the more lost you're going to get. The worst scope to have on a rifle, fit some guns in here, Mike, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the worst scope to have on a rifle isn't one that's off completely, but if it's just a couple of clicks off, you're not going to notice it at 25 yards. But when you go, the longer the shot is, the more likely you're going to miss because you think it's right, but it's just off by a little bit. And there's so many things out there that are almost true, but they're not. They're performance-based, Old Testament, legalistic, law-based, religious belief systems that cannot work and will not work and have not worked and will never work. And that's why I thank God for a place like Hope Church, not that we're the only place where you can hear truth, but because it's one of the only places where you can hear truth. But to hear it in a way that that makes sense because it's true. And with with our faith rooted in that, you know, I mean, I was watching, I've, sometimes I flip through channels and I'll watch, go through some religious stations just to make sure my calibrations aren't off. And I flipped through this station the other day and they, I just caught this thing where they're saying, We are preventing the second coming of our Lord. Because until we start performing better and until the church starts doing things right, Jesus wants to come back, but he can't. And, you know, so we got to get our act together. And, you know, and uh, 
It just reminded me as a kid where I'd watch TV and that horrible ad would come on and tell me, only you can prevent forest fires. (laughs) Oh, man, I got homework. (laughs) It's like, I don't need that on my plate. It's like, okay, I'll get the garden hose. (laughs) It's like, now I'm preventing the second coming of Christ. But thank God. I heard that sound. It sounded like Mike Gaudette going, "Ah." (laughs) off by a covenant. (laughs) And you see, now I can watch Christian TV, and it's like pushing that button on my smoke alarm just to hear it beep so I know it's still working. I can flip through stations. "Ah." It's like, oh, thank God my faith is still right. And, And you see, the point of that is simply that We are message-driven. And what is the message? Because you matter to God. That has been our mantra, our motto, our tagline since the foundations of this church. And it will continue to be as long as I'm standing here and you're standing there and we're all standing here. That is it. Because what is the gospel? What is the news and what makes it good? And what is our faith rooted in? The gospel message is simply a message that says there is a God, and that God is good. He is a friendly God. And because of his true nature and character, you can trust him and depend on him to do everything that's good and right for you. Not only does God love you, even more astounding, he likes you. God likes you, and that's great news. And because of that, and that's what our faith is rooted in, that's what this ministry is rooted in, and that is hopefully what all of our beliefs are rooted in. We're going to be, if you're new here, keep coming back. Because when we started this thing 20 years ago, we started it for you. We didn't start it for us. We didn't start it. This isn't about church to have church or having a better place to be or anything like that. We believe to the depths of our soul in this message, and we are willing to fight and defend this message. And thank God we have a place where we can assemble every week to hear this message taught and explained. So thank you all. Really? I'm supposed to follow that? God. Mark. <laughs> I forgot how funny you are, dude. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> See? He's still going. He's still going. You want to come back up here, man? <laughs> The scripture says, uh, um, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing one another, bearing with one another in love, right? So I should tell you this. I drove in this morning at five o'clock, had three hours sleep. So if I can still do this coherently, give me some love, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what you do for your daughters, right? <laughs> so
So I'm thinking about this, and um, you know what I, I, I think in, I'm 54 too, and you know what I've learned in 54 years? Two degrees, too much school. People are really afraid of love, right? Why? People are really afraid of love. If you say, I love you to the wrong person, they run away. Or you say it to the right person, they go, yeah, right. Why? Well, one of the things that we're committed to at Hope is teaching the right lessons about love, right? And my love image has changed. When I first became a Christian, before I started listening to the to the, the message of grace, the picture of love was Jesus, and I really loved that dude. He was like my brother, like, hey. But if you showed me the father, I'm, I'm like, nah, I ain't trying to hear that dude. And, 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 and now I'm discovering that it's the father who calls us. It was the father's plan to send the son, true? And the son agreed. I, um, he didn't go down there to get killed by his own dad. He, but he, he did know what was happening when he came. And so the scripture calls us first to live worthy of the calling. Be careful about that because your brain will translate that into performance. Be worthy of the calling, Randy. You need to be worthy of the calling. What hope? Worthy of the calling means coming to understand that we have been called by love. A love that's free of judgment. A love that's free of disappointment. Interesting. The Father loves us without judgment. The Father loves us without disappointment. Now, Mike, this is a Mike quote. You have to be appointed to be disappointed. He has to be illusioned that we would be able to do it well, to be disappointed, and he's not. So, my mind has changed. I hear this thing that people say, the idea of free grace and to be loved freely. And now I understand to be loved freely is to be loved free of judgment and free of evaluation. It's an interesting thing. Free of judgment. I experienced that once, long time ago. It surprised me. I was talking to my wife before she was my wife in a dorm. And some of you've heard the story before. So she asked me a really weird question. So Jay, tell me about your family. <laughs> you don't really want to know that story. So I started telling her some things about how I grew up. Having never really been in an evaluation or a judgment-free zone, even in my own head. See, here's what's interesting. Once you've been judged, that's not love. Once you've been critically evaluated, you carry that in your head. You, you don't need anybody to do it anymore. So, so I'm talking to her. And for the first time, I'm saying, you know, things like, well... Sometimes we got hit. 
Sometimes it wasn't so good and blah, blah, blah. And I look up and she's crying. I expected evaluation and judgment. I was kind of ashamed of it. And there was no evaluation, no judgment. She was crying. She said to me in a kind of Lori way, you know, you know, Lori, she doesn't cry a whole lot. But she was touched by what I said. She said to me, uh, your life was really hard. And I said, nah, it, you know, it's just the way it was, you know, it's cool. And then something said in my head, get up and leave, dude, because this is getting way uncomfortable. I remember turning my back and walking away and going, you know what? She's right. My life sucked. <laughs> I had never. See, when you live in a, when you, when you experience love, you can be in your skin. You can be in your skin. You can have the good and the bad at the same time. You can be in your skin. Be worthy of the calling. So be careful. Because we've been called and what we are, he's calling us to is to accept that he loves us in our skin. And then carry that calling as best we can to love others in their skin. Did you hear what I just said? That actually sounded coherent. <laughs> right? To, to know that I am accepted as I am in my skin with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then the verse says, now it, it tells us how. Paul always does that. He'll urge you to something, and you go, what in the heck is he talking about? Then the next sentence he says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another. I used to think that was a standard. Now I think that's just a condition of things. Because to really bear and love people in their skin requires gentleness, patience, and the capacity to put up with yucky stuff. And sometimes there's a difference in terms of bearing a load, a burden, and bearing a load. You notice this doesn't say carry people's loads. It says bear. The notion of bearing is Mark has too much to carry. My job is that's a burden. The burden is, and he wants help. That's the other thing. Be careful. So what we're learning in hope is how to love judgment-free and without a lot of evaluation, how to love freely, how to give the gift of love that's been given to us, as it says in 1 Corinthians, give the comfort you've been given. I've given you the comfort so you can give it to someone else. Okay, But also to give it freely and not act goofy when people act goofy when you give them something free. See, when you love freely, it makes people weird. They start, is there, I got something I can give you for this? No. No, no. So we're called. Worthy the calling means, doesn't mean perform. It means accept that you are the called out ones. You're in a place 
where there's no judgment and no disappointment. You have to hear that because there will be other teachers who will try to convince you God's disappointed, as Mark was trying to say. Jesus cannot come back because he's disappointed with our effort right now. And on one level, that's funny. On another level, that's disastrous. If that's if that's what we we really have to carry around that. But what the calling is is our job is to love. One is to experience love, then to give love and love as a gift. Here's what I finish with this. That day that Lori said that to me. I didn't feel evaluated or judged. I felt valued. My word, my new term now is valuation. I did staff evaluations this year, and I called them valuations, and all my staff said, what are you talking about? But when they went through the valuation, they said, this is what I expected. Right? When Lori listened to me that day, She gave me what God had given her. She listened to me with no judgment, no evaluation. She valued me. And here's what happens. We're called to evaluate others, thereby bestowing value given to us, to other people. Everybody in this room is important to the Father and to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have come. We're valuable. Now, valuable in our skin, not outside our skin. When we start to operate outside our skin, we're, it isn't that we're not valuable to God, but we can't be of value when we're split. So my challenge to you would be accept the valuing of the Father so you can bestow that same value to the people around you. Amen? We have been from the beginning message driven and we've tried to come up with things that capture what the essence of the message is. And a couple of things we've come up with that we've landed on that will continue because they seem to work. The ten commitments and the five steps. And I'll just tell you a little bit about that. Summer 2009, we did a series, A Summer to Remember, in which we had some verses that we were memorizing. Denise had just come on staff. And I said, yeah, let's, is there another word for promises? So and he said, commitments. And then, so then at that point, we talked about, uh, we came up with commitments. And we talked about it and, and said, you know, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to do a series of emails. And so that's when we did uh, collaborate together to do 40 emails in 40 days. And that became 40 days with the 10 commitments. And then about a year later, that was back um, 2008, and about six years ago. And then in um, a year later, we inaugurated the website, and we included um, weekly emails. I'm going to show you something. Maybe you haven't seen this. Um, this is our website, and if you notice that the middle button Hope, sign up for Hope's email messages. Now, how many of you get those? 
number of you get them. If you don't, let me show you what happens. You click on that button, and then you get this. And you can get the weekly emails from Mike at the top, which we, we determined, okay, I'm going to start trying to do a weekly thing. I wonder, how many, I wonder how long I'll be able to go writing about the Ten Commitments. And I'll, I'll just cycle through them, and I'll just do one at a time. And when I get through ten, go through another and go through another. And I said, you know, I wonder how far we'll go. We're up to 242. And, done two, and so, and it, my goal is it would be great to do 365. And then we could do 365 days with the Ten Commitments. Anyways. Um, so that is what you get there, the weekly emails. Once a week, they come out Wednesday or Thursday. The bottom one, if you check that, that is when you get the original one a day, 40 days with the Ten Commitments, and these come to you online. So that's, and if you get the, the, the email, that's what the email looks like. So we did that, and um, what we included as well was a, a, when we, in 2009, we said, what about a weekly blog? That would be kind of interesting. And we collaborated together again, Denise and I. We just, okay, we started, um, let's do, I'll do Romans and start writing them out. And then we, Romans became a weekly blog, and that became Case for Grace. And then afterwards, there's four books that, if you're at Hope, I'd really like, I think that they encapsulate the message. Romans, it's the best book to to distill what is the message then Hebrews it refers to the Old Testament and helps us to understand how to look at the Old Testament through New Testament eyes and then there's Galatians it talks about well if you're a church what happens when you get pulled away from the message and then 2 Corinthians if you are somebody who wants to be a steward of the message what does that look like and then those were four books that we have done in blog form once a week. And so now they have become uh, Romans is the case for grace and Hebrews is the base for grace and Galatians is the race for grace and Second Corinthians is the vase for grace. And so, and now we're in John and that is the face of grace. Sorry. But those are also those four, the four books, uh, Romans, Hebrews, Galatians and 2 Corinthians. If you've been at Hope a while, I, w- I would like you to get to know the message of those books. That's why we do grace groups. And they meet on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. And we spend some time, about an hour and a half, to look at a piece of those books. And so when you come on Wednesday night and Sunday morning, you're going to look at one of those books. And there we also have some other things. We, we put together something about transforming beliefs. Transforming beliefs. And... Uh, and that's something that Randy facilitates a Bible study on Sunday morning, the first and third, which takes a look at those. We also uh, put them in book form, and we are doing seminars on them. We did this past year. We did the bar behind you and heaven in front of you this next year, beginning in September. We'll do a couple more, two, probably three. God's spirit inside you and a lost world around you. Not only do we do seminars and grace groups, but Joel has, has had experience in groups that are uh, fellowship-oriented, maybe a little less rigid or in terms of scrutinizing, in terms of Bible study, but that look at the Bible, that draw some conversation based on the Sunday messages. So we've developed life groups, and life groups have been inaugurated. We've got several, and, and we're going to increase those, so we develop um, Questions based on the Sunday morning sermon. Groups get together and they in homes and they talk about. And so there's grace groups, life groups, and seminars. These are some of the things. Why am I telling you about this? Is because it's really what the message is about. When you look at faith, hope, and love, I'm trying to wait a cat. 
Faith breathes freely. I think that's what it is. Faith breathes freely. And it exhales concerns and inhales commitments. That's what faith does. Hope waits perseveringly. And that's what hope adds to the thing. If once we believe, but there is a perseverance that's required. This is where hope comes in. It enables us to have faith over time. And love responds gently. And that's what it looks like in operation. If you recognize these things, it comes from the five steps. And I think this is the way that it might work um, when we are real with respect to ourselves. Again, not illusioned about what we are and are not like when we're real with respect to ourselves and still before him. And when we breathe freely, we then can wait perseveringly, respond gently. So it really captures faith, hope, and love. What does faith do? Faith breathes freely. What does hope do? Hope waits perseveringly. What does love do? Love responds gently. Captures. Hope is powerful. Hope is powerful. It is a story about this guy who spoke to a group of sixth graders, Eugene Landy, Eugene Land, excuse me, in in East Harlem, spoke to a class of 59 sixth graders and said, what in the world am I going to tell these students? They're mostly black Puerto Rican, most of which probably the chances are better than not that they weren't going to get through school. So he had this speech that he had put together, and then he, the guy's a millionaire, but he, he scrapped the speech, and this is what he said. I will pay for whoever uh, decides to go to college. Sat down. 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. And let me, one student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. You know what that is? That's hope. That's what hope is. It's, and they understood that this guy is going to follow through on what he said he would do. It gave them hope. That's what hope. And hope allows you to continue to do something that might be difficult for you, but you know that the end is going to be good. That's what, that's what biblical hope is. Hope is a pipe dream. Again, I think Mark alluded to this. It's a pipe dream or, or a reality depending upon the object of the faith to deliver the promises. If you've got good hope and a bad object, you've got bad hope. Hope is only as good as its object. And uh, the character of biblical hope is that because of God's promises, biblical hope is not a hope so. It's an oh so. I mean, if God says something and it's the truth about what he says, is he going to come through with it? Absolutely he is. That's why biblical hope is not, geez, I hope he does that. It's, if you've got the right promise, God's going to deliver on his promises. Um, the character of hope I was dramatically altered by Jesus. There was a lot of messiahs running around. If you didn't know this, at the time of Jesus, there was a bunch of messiahs. And they would claim to be the one God sent. And finally he's here. And then they would, that person fell through. And so there was a lot of skepticism relative to the messiah coming. Because a bunch of them had come forward and they proved to be bad objects of hope. Until Jesus came. And he changed the character of hope to forever. In the verse, it says, hope doesn't disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at the right time, just the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hope depends on two things. Can the giver give it and can the receiver receive it? Again, if, if the giver can give it but you can't receive it, that's not good hope. If, if he's not going to give it but if he did, you could receive it, that's not good hope either. It takes the capacity of the giver to give and the receiver to receive. And so, relative to the giver, hope is rooted in the love of God. It says hope does not disappoint us. It won't come up empty. You know when you put your hope in something and it doesn't come up, they talk about hope coming up empty. You know, you would hope that this is going to happen. It didn't happen. And what it says is God's going to come through with his promises. And here's what it says in the last verse, Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? This is an argument from logic. If somebody does, it's an argument from the greater to the lesser. If I let you use my car, am I going to let you use my bicycle? Probably. You know, because it's the greater to the lesser. I'll, if I let you do use the most important thing, then I'll, it's logical that I would let you use something lesser. If God sent his own son, is there anything that he wouldn't give us? Is it reasonable to believe that he's going to come through? Absolutely. It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. The giver, there's not a problem with the giver. Oh, but we're receivers. What about us? We we. We don't do the things that he would have us to do. We do ungodly things. In fact, we sin. Isn't that going to get in the way of us receiving? You hear this verse say, you know why hope won't disappoint us? Look at the three adjectives. Powerless. Powerless. At the right time when we were still powerless. You know what a powerless person can't do? What they'd like to do. They can't do the things that God would want. They do the things God doesn't want. They're powerless. Do you know when Jesus died for you? When you were being powerless. It's the second adjective, ungodly. Ungodly. A person who's powerless does ungodly things. That makes sense, right? The lack of power leads to making choices in life that aren't real good choices, that lead to some ungodly preoccupation. Certainly being ungodly would get in the way. You know when God sent his son to die for you? When you were being ungodly. That's what it says, when we were powerless. And it says Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinning ones, Christ died for us. Here's a question. God's willing to give. Do you have the basis to believe that you're going to receive you say, I don't know, Mike, I'm not, well, you, Jesus died for you when you were powerless. He died for you when you were ungodly. And he died for you while you were a sinner. Is God going to rescind his promises if you sin? It doesn't make sense, does it? it doesn't make sense. Joel, come on up. We're going to sing a closing song. Um, our hope is based in the promiser, and the ability of we who have received the promises to receive what God has offered based on Scripture, seen through God's sending his Son, our hope is sure. And that ends up allowing us not only to breathe freely, 
but to wait perseveringly and to respond gently. Faith, hope, love. Father, thank you for the um, revelation of who you are and for revealing that to us through Christ clearly. Jesus is your image. He's the one that reflects you clearly. I ask that you would enable us to continue to believe that more and more. We have a lot of misinformation in our head, and it doesn't clear out overnight. Little by little, bit by bit, thought by thought, our mind is renewed. We see more clearly old images end up being replaced by new ones, untrue ones by true ones, and to the degree our mind is renewed. Surprise. We change, become like Jesus, expressing faith, hope, and love. Continue to reveal yourself to us and through us to others. For Jesus' sake, in his name, amen. Hey, we got some uh, cake back there. Come and celebrate with us. And again, if you have questions, we'll, in a little bit, when everybody's cleared out, we'll call you back. And if you have a question, then you can come forward here.